Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, I am going to get started. Um, so the last time Pastor Michael asked me to preach, I don't know what to do with this hand. The last time Pastor Michael asked me to preach, I thought, I'm going to take my real Bible, you know, like a real preacher, and I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to read from actual paper. And I, you know, I thought, I've never done that before. You know, I've, I've only ever preached, you know, so many times before. I've never done it with, I've carried a Bible, but I've never read it, you know, whatever. I thought, I'm going to do that this time. And so, um, you know, before I say that, I, my eyes aren't as good as they used to be, okay? <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, I wear glasses for work. I wear them for reading. I don't usually need to wear them for like walking around and like seeing new people and stuff like that. But for things up close, you know, I, I need to wear glasses now. And, but it wasn't a big deal because I knew that I had a Bible somewhere on my bookshelf that had large print. So I thought, I'll just grab that one. So I did all my prep work. I printed out my notes on Sunday morning. We're running out the door. I grabbed the biggest Bible on the, on the bookshelf. You know, I don't use that one often because it's not convenient, but it was the biggest one, so I grabbed it. And we get here, and, um, you know, the worship happens. I get up on stage, and it's time to finally start. And I open the Bible and realize that it's the biggest Bible I have, not because it has big fonts, but because it has thousands of words of commentaries and maps and <laughs> footnotes. And, all, and the font was even smaller than my other Bible. I couldn't see it at all. So because of that, I, you know, I kind of vowed that I would never let that happen again. I, you know, I would never dishonor you that way again. So I um, went to the eye doctor, and I got new glasses. And um, they're the kind that let you see both far away and up close. And, you know, I'll let you read between the lines. I'm almost 48. Um, you probably know what that means. They're um, special glasses. But basically, I got these for you guys, okay? Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. You know, because because I'm just that nice. Um, so, you know, back in July, th this actually has a point. I'm not just like wasting time. There's actually a point to this. Um, back, back in July, um, who went to Awaken Conference? All right. If you didn't go, I'm sure there's still a way to get the media for it. Um, get it, listen to it. It was awesome. Uh, it was the Saturday. It was the last session uh, was of the Awaken Conference. We were at Balboa Campus, and um, Rex Crane was about to come up. Sorry, I'm on the wrong page. Uh, Rex Crane was about to come up, and I, um, he, he was preaching, and you know, he was ministering, and you know, Rex was being Rex, and people were falling over, and people were getting words, and it was, you know, if you were here a few weeks ago and he was here, it was the same kind of thing. It's anytime he comes, there, there's a move, and um, it's not because he's God, but because he has that relationship with God where he carries that move of God with him, and it comes out when he's on stage. So I'm sitting there, and um, I have my glasses on, and, um, you know, I was paying attention, and I was listening, and all of a sudden I hear God say, take your glasses off. Okay, so I take my glasses off, I set them down, and, you know, it wasn't 30 seconds later where Rex says, you, and I'm, no, you, and he calls me up to the front, and he ministers to me, and it, it was this amazing experience, and I felt like, you know, 
God gave me this heads up. There's this unnatural expectation that, that something was about to happen. Because he wasn't anywhere near me at the time. He was over praying someone else. And, you know, it was, it was unexpected. And it was like this prompting from God to, 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 to do this thing. So I flash forward a few minutes. Um, I find myself on the floor, you know, and I, I get up and I, I go back to my seat and I'm sitting there. And it, I sat down and as clear as I've ever heard God speak to me, I heard him say, I'll make sure I say it right. Put your glasses on to see the past, but take your glasses off to see the future. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So, so today, um, yeah, my title today is that today you have an optometrist appointment. <laughs> Welcome in. Take a seat. Thanks for signing in. I'm going to step to the side and you can just watch this movie that we have playing in the lobby. It was short. <laughs> the optometrist is ready to see you now. <laughs> All right, full disclosure, I'm not an actual optometrist. But I have recently been to one, so that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> so I want to examine that clip for a minute, um, talk about it, talk about a few other things, but for a minute, when that starts, uh, the sound was off, but you could tell that you know, there's tension, something's happening, uh, something bad is going on, Lois Lane's probably in trouble again. Um, yeah, right? It's always. Um, but it's, Superman's not around, it's just Clark Kent and these two other guys, so you don't even know who they are. But by the end of it, you feel a sense of hope, and you feel a sense that the thing that needs to happen is about to happen. All right, so, so that's, that's the lesson, that's what we're gonna talk about, remember that. Before I go on, um, there, there is a spoiler alert um, that I want to share. You know, we all know Clark Kent's secret, right? Does anyone here not know Clark Kent's? All right, everyone, everyone. No, okay, close your ears. But the people in Metropolis where he lives don't know his secret. And in fact, until he takes his glasses off, the enemy doesn't know who he is and doesn't recognize his authority. So until he's stepping into that, no one cares who he is. So for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about Superman. We're going to talk about some old guys in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about me and my family a little bit. And we're going to talk about this word that God gave me back in July. Put your glasses on to see the past. Take your glasses off to see the future. You know, what is that, what's that even mean? You know, does it mean don't live in the past? Does it mean don't rely on your own strength? Does it mean, uh, you know, learn to forget? I, we're going to figure that out. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to figure it out together. So, you know, writing these messages for me, I'm not a professional at this, but it's kind of like an act of self-discovery. So I'm like chewing on stuff for myself and I am sharing that with, not the chewed on part, but I'm sharing the rest of it with you. All right, so before I go any further, I'm, I'm gonna pray because I need it. Um, 
God, I thank you that I get to be here tonight and I get to be your mouthpiece, that tonight I get to help someone in this room see the future, that I get to let them see what it's like to, to see all that you have for them in a clear way. God, I pray that my mouth is your mouth and that my words are your words and that everyone in this room has open ears today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's go. Point number one, put your glasses on to see the past. So you, you probably already know, um, because you're smart people, that everything that you see with your eyes, glasses or not, everything that you see with your eyes is something from the past. Even the stuff that happened up in the corner back here, it takes like a tenth of a millionth of a second for that to get to my eyes. Not to mention the however many milliseconds or microseconds it takes for my brain to process that and turn it into something that I can actually understand. So by the time I know what I'm seeing, it's past. Maybe it's a small amount of time, but it's, it's not the future. It's not even the present. It's the past. So with that in mind, you know, when God told me to put my glasses on to see the past, my first thought was, was about that. It's like, you know, Okay, yeah, he wants me to not focus on the past. He wants me to focus on the present and the future. And I started to think more about that, and I thought, well, maybe he wants me to do like Isaiah says and you know, forget about the past, and um, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? Um, I don't remember what chapter. Isaiah is something. Um, but he doesn't want me to focus on the past or the mistakes or the brokenness. This is what I'm thinking. The, the hurt, the unforgiveness, uh, the mistakes I've made, the, the things that I wish had been different. And that's all true, and that's all right, but that wasn't what he was talking about. So, put your glasses on to see the past is not a warning, it's an instruction. So, there are things that you can see with your natural eye, with, you know, with your mind, that are th things that happened in the past that are valuable to look at and they build faith. So I spoke for like a minute or two about this at prayer the other day. When you see the, you know, the, the miracles that have happened for someone else, your faith is built. Paul says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from hear, or hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. So when I read about things in the Bible, about miracles that God did, healings that he did, when I read about um, churches and other places and the miracles they're seeing, uh, the, the, you know, dead people raised to life, healings and all that stuff. When I hear your God stories on a Tuesday morning or up here on stage, those things are in the past and I'm seeing them with my glasses on and they're building my faith. So I'm not looking at the past as a source of uh, something that would bring me down, but I'm looking at the past as something that's going to take the seed of faith that God's put in me and grow it and stretch it and fertilize it and, and till the soil and, and, and learn it and understand it because maybe I'm not in a place where that kind of thing makes sense to my own life, but it's something that someday I'm going to be in a position and I'm going to be able to look back at that. So I'm going to build up this faith with my glasses on, my spiritual glasses on. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a warning, it was an instruction, and it's time for us to, to start asking those kinds of questions. What is it that I'm supposed to see here with my glasses on? You know, to ask questions like a reporter, like Clark Kent, or like the prophet Elisha, who is the old dude in the Old Testament that we're going to talk about tonight. So we first see Elisha 
at the end of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, and they'll put the, the verse up there. I won't actually read it, but you can while I talk about it. It's when God tells the prophet Elijah, who's not Elisha, to go find Elisha and train him up to be the prophet that replaces Elijah when Elijah dies. So it's the names were super confusing when I was a kid. I finally started to understand them. But it, it starts out, we see in verse 19, where Elijah finds Elisha working in his father's field, uh, plowing the field, and he takes his um, prophet's cloak thing and puts it on Elisha and, and without saying anything, basically says, you know, come with me. And then we don't see him. We don't see them anymore after that. You know, Elisha goes off to be Elijah's apprentice, but for the next few chapters, through First Kings twenty, First Kings twenty-one, First Kings twenty-two, Second Kings chapter one, we might hear about Elijah doing something. But even though Elisha is there as his assistant, as his apprentice, as the guy that's learning and taking notes and studying with his glasses on and all these things, we don't hear anything about him. He's just there. He, he, he's soaking everything in. He's, he's got his spiritual glasses on. He's, he's looking at uh, things in the past because while he's standing there with Elijah, everything that he sees is in the past. He hears the stories from Elijah's past even before he knew him where he provided the, the widow with unending oil and flour and fed her and her son, where he raised a boy from the dead. He called down fire from heaven you know, three different times. And all these things, he, he sees Elijah's devotion. He sees Elijah's um, prayer life. He sees the way that he acts out in authority, the way that he hears from God and he doesn't wonder about it. He steps out and he's bold and he, he does things that would make me really uncomfortable. And he sees all these things, but he's building his faith. He's looking at the past with his glasses on. So if you've been around here for long enough and you've ever seen me up here for any number of times, I might have already told you this story, but since I'm up here, I'm choosing to do that again. Um, 23 years ago, I moved from Northern California to Wisconsin. Um, I moved there for work. I figured I'd be there for about a year, and then I'd move back you know, where I came from. And um, I didn't realize that I was going to end up staying there for 16 years instead of one year. And I didn't realize that 48 hours after I got there, I was going to meet this cute piano player at the church that I was going to, and that we were going to eventually, you know, celebrate our 21st wedding anniversary. So, you know, I could only complain so much, you know, because I loved her. Didn't really like it there. Um, my friends were cool, but if we're being honest, when you guys talk about wanting to go skiing, that is the last thing on my list. If I never saw snow again, I would think I'd died and gone to heaven. So knock yourself out if you like it, but I hated it. It, it was, this is in my notes, and I might not should say it, but it was a source of, a, cause of um, a source of contention in our marriage. We fought about that more than just about anything else. Until finally one day I, I prayed. I said, God, I love Kelly, so please make me not hate it here. And I, I, I was serious. I wasn't like just trying to like, you know, I wasn't going through the I was serious. God, please make me not hate it here. I want this to work. I swear to God, it wasn't like probably two weeks. And Kelly says, hey, Scott, I've been praying. I think we should move. I 
I don't know why she had to wait so many years, but you know. <laughs> so in the meantime, I, I tried to make the best of it. You know, I made good friends. I my work was was good. Um, you know, I, I I was I was in a church where the church was okay, but I was like growing on my own. Beside that, you know, I, I was spending time in the Bible. I was learning to pray more. You know, for the first time in my life, I read through the whole Bible in a year. Well, it was more than a year, but I read through the whole Bible anyway. And I, I felt like that was something I should have done a long time ago as a lifelong Christian. But I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to devote myself to this. And I, I had I had my glasses on, and I was learning, and I was studying, and I was building up my faith by seeing all the other things going on around me. So when we finally see Elisha again in 2 Kings chapter 2, he still has his glasses on too. All right, I'm going to read the first couple of verses. It says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. Bethel, by the way, means house of God. That's just a little side note here that they were off to the house of God. It's a good place to be on a Wednesday night, especially. But Elisha, but Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. And, you know, there's a lot more verses, but I'm not going to read. I'm just going to stop there. This happened uh, three times. They went from Gilgal to Bethel. They went from, um, and Elijah said, stay here. And Elisha said, no. And they went from um Bethel to Jericho, and then Elijah said, stay here in Jericho, and Elijah said, no, I'm going to go with you. And they went from Jericho, and they crossed over the Jordan River, and this happened three times where Elijah says, you know, just stay here, and Elijah says, I am following you. You are the source of me building this faith. I'm examining you. I'm learning from you. You're my teacher. This is how I'm learning to be what you have called me to be, um, your apprentice. So he went. There's no way I'm letting you leave without me. Elisha never would have become who he ended up becoming if he'd have skipped to the instruction to put his spiritual glasses on. He, he, he would have maybe stepped too soon into something and not have learned from his master all the things that, that he needed to know to be not only um, a good prophet and bold and stuff, but also how to hear from God and make sure that you're hearing from God and you're not hearing from any other source. But he also never would have been who he had become if he refused to take them off. So point number two is, now it's time to take off your glasses. So when you think about Clark Kent turning into Superman, you know, what's, what's the first thing you think of? Um, if I'd asked you an hour ago, I, I'd guess that at least a bunch of you would think about where he, like, rips the shirt off and you see the blue and the red and the S and you know, all the stuff and the ties hanging off to the side and he's running and, and all the stuff. But I'm thinking that by now, maybe you're thinking the first thing you see is when he pulls the glasses off. So the, the pulling of the glasses off, taking your glasses off, the whole point of this is not that you're at the next level. This is your get ready cue. Something's about to happen, Q. This is the hint that you might not know what it is, you might not know when it is, but you know that something is about to change because the glasses are coming off. So 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, a few verses down farther. When they came to the other side, the other side of the Jordan River, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. 
And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Elijah says, you've asked a difficult thing. If you see me when I'm taken from you, you'll get your request. But if not, then you won't. So I imagine it now. This is, you know, the gospel according to Scott here, that they're walking and they're talking. And Elijah says, I'm leaving soon. What do you want? And Elisha stops in his tracks, takes his glasses off. Maybe he puts them up on top of his head, not caring that that might mess up his hair because his hairline's receding anyway and it doesn't really matter that much. Anyway, that's a side point. That's for someone else. Um, or maybe he dropped them on the ground. It doesn't really matter. But he, he takes these, these glasses off and, wait, you're going to do something for me? What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? I want twice what you have. And then before he knows what he's doing, he spits this out. And maybe he's thinking, oh, shoot, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe that was not the right attitude. Maybe he'll think I'm prideful. Maybe all these things. But it's too late. He'd already said the words, so you're going to run with them. And it was too late to look back. But if you think about it, Elijah asked him, what do you want? And that's the same question that Jesus asked before he heals people. You know, the, the, the blind man, what do you want? I want, to, I want to see. He asked the leper, what do you want? I want to be healed. I want to be clean. Yeah. So, you know, be thinking about while I'm talking, what is the thing that you want? Because God is asking you, what do you want? So, you know, flash forward a few years, 2014, we finally both agreed that we wanted to leave Wisconsin and move to San Diego. And, and we, we didn't know when it would happen or how it would happen. We just knew someday we're going to move to San Diego because, you know, I had family here and I had other family that was planning to move here. So this is, and the weather's great. There's no snow. So this is, this is where we want to be. Yes, there's no snow. That's the number one point <laughs> for choosing San Diego. So, you know, we didn't know when it would happen, but there, there's this one day, um, not long after we talked where Kelly got a, a word from God, you know, kind of out of the blue. And it was, you're not going to raise your children here, okay? You're not going to raise your children here. So that that was, you know, like proof that, like, he knows the thing we want. He knows that, you know, our desire is, in this case, was to move from there to here. And we know he, he knows that now. It's like he actually knows what we want. I, I can't even remember, to be honest, if we'd prayed about it at that time yet or not, or if we were just still just talking about it, but he knows what we want. And that was the moment where we took our glasses off. It's like, okay, God says, you're not going to raise your children here. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is our get ready moment. This is the, the moment where we know something is going to happen and it's just up to us to figure out what that's going to be. So by now, Elisha's glasses are off. Um, maybe he pushed them up to the top of his head, like I said. Maybe he dropped them on the ground. doesn't really matter, but they're off. And Elijah's response to him was, if you see. So my next point, point number three, is see the future. If you see me when I'm taken, you will get your request. If you see the future, you'll get what you're believing for. 2 Kings 11, uh, 2, 11 through 13, they were walking along and talking, and suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw and cried out, My father, my father, 
I see the chariots and the charioteers, and they disappeared from sight. Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Then he picked up the cloak, which had fallen off, and then he headed towards the Jordan River. You know, I, I didn't notice until last night at too late o'clock that um, Elijah's transformation was so similar to, to Clark Kent's. He ripped his clothes off. And he put on the cloak of his master, the, 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 the cave that come from his father, the, where, the, where the authority and the power comes from. And I, I actually got chills when I, when I noticed that. And I almost texted Jared, but I realized it was too late to do that. So, so they both see the future, both Clark Kent turning into Superman and Elisha. They're seeing the future. They both know what's going to happen next. It's not a matter of them hoping or guessing what's going to happen next. They have the picture in their mind. You know, if you can see something, I, okay, let me back up. There, there's some disease, I can't remember what it's called, but where people think in words instead of pictures or pictures instead of words, and uh, it's not really a disease, it's just, you know, a description. And I don't want to put people that have that into uh, like the mindset where they think they're sick because they're not. You're, you, Jesus loves you the way you are. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I might have a mild, you like that? I might have a mild case of that. I, I might have a mild case of that because you know, I see pictures when I think, but I, I more often I think in like, like blobs of concepts. I don't even know how to describe it. So it's not easy for me to close my eyes and force myself to see a picture. Um, it happens sometimes, and you know I, I have dreams at night. And I see those pictures, but it—it's—I can't just sit here and force myself to see a treehouse. I can—I can sit here and imagine kind of what a treehouse is. But if I want—if I wanted you—if you wanted me to describe to you what does that treehouse look like, it's a house in a tree, and that would be about it. But I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> yeah, but. When you can see something clearly like that, I believe that you're seeing the future. Not, not in like the kooky metaphysical sense, but in the, the spiritual sense where if there's something that you can see clearly and it's something that aligns with the word of God and it's not just something that you made up yourself, if you can see yourself delivered from what's binding you, if you can see yourself healed from the sickness that you have. If you can see your, your son or your daughter back in the house of God, if you can see these things and, and you can really see them and it's like you're there and you can picture them, I believe that that is seeing the future, that you're, you're seeing what God wants and that's what the future is going to be. So, You know, it's time to see the future. It's time to look through the eyes of faith. You know, we don't have to wonder if God is about to move. Did, 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 did he give you a promise? Did he tell you that, you know, this miracle was going to happen? Or maybe, maybe he didn't even tell you, but you know that the thing you're believing for, it's in alignment with his will. When you can see it, you're removing all the barriers for him to move and act. You're opening the door. You've cleared all the obstacles. He's still going to do the miracle, not you. But it's at that point where you can say, I know that God is going to do this thing. Yeah. And there, this faith, this confidence, there, there's, there's so much freedom here. You can have a clear picture 
of what your miracle is before it happens. It's not that God has increased your faith and told you, this is what I'm going to do. It's that you've stirred up the faith that he's planted in you long ago, and you're seeing this thing, and God is reacting to your stirred up faith and says, okay, they're believing for this thing, and they can see it, and it's it's in alignment with my will, and they want it, and they believe it, and they can see it, and they want it, and they know it's going to happen, and they know I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. You know, we, we don't control God. God can move however he wants. He can do a miracle for us when we don't even have any idea about it. It's not like this is the way to get a miracle. I was going to call this, you know, four steps to building a miracle, but it's not that precise. But I do believe it that when, when you can see it that clearly, that God wants to move. It's, he's not obligated to move. He wants to move. He wants to do something for you. So, you know, by, by mid-2015, which is like a year and a half later from when Kelly and I first started talking, we were still living in Wisconsin. You know, that, those were the hardest 18 months of my life because I knew we were going to move, but I didn't know when. And we couldn't really, we couldn't really tell anybody because we didn't know when, you know. And, you know, you tell somebody, it's like, oh, you're still here. It's been, you know, like a year and a half, you know, whatever. But we're still wondering, you know, how is God going to make this happen? When is he going to make this happen? We knew he would. But we had that seed of an idea that maybe, possibly, if we cross our fingers and pray, maybe it just might work. But it seemed impossible. You know, we had started coming up with ideas of our own. But, you know, they weren't of our own. They were actually inspired by God. But they seemed too crazy to be real. It's like there, there's a thousand improbabilities in the way, and there's like five or six impossibilities in the way. There's, there's no real way this would work. It's fun to daydream about, but there's no real way this would work. But in that daydreaming, and it's not really daydreaming, it was like it was faith building. It was talking about it. It was uh, building that image in our mind where we could see that it was going to happen. Suddenly there was a shift somewhere around, I don't know, July or so of that year, where all of a sudden I started believing not if God can do this, but simply God's going to do this. All of these check marks that need to be checked for us to to make this move and to start this new life and to step into something new, I can see them with my faith eyes that each one of them is checked. And there, there's check marks that I don't even know what the things are yet, but he's checked all the things that I know of and all the things that I don't know about. It, it hadn't happened yet. I want to be clear about that. In, in the natural, it hadn't happened yet. But I could suddenly see it. And by September of that year, we had a firm commitment from everything involved that every obstacle had been removed. And by November of that year, which is almost seven years ago now, we left. And now we live here, and there's no snow. It's so amazing. We left before winter. So, you know, what, that's, that's kind of our, you know, we, we'd taken our glasses off, but that was our see the future moment, that, that July, where all of a sudden it wasn't a matter of, we know God can do anything, but I don't know if he's going to do this, to 
he's doing this. And and I, I, I like I said, I believe that that is the moment where God said, okay, I'm going to do this. Not He didn't make us feel that way because he was going to do it. He did it because we felt that way, because we saw that future. All right. So, you know, I, I want you guys to be thinking about the, the thing that that maybe you can't see it yet. You can't see how God's going to move yet, but you know you need him to. And I want to encourage you, you know, you've had your glasses on for long enough. Now it's time to take the glasses off and get ready. It's time to start building that picture in your mind of what it is that, that you know he's going to do, not the thing he might do with the thing you know. I'm going to pray for one second here before I continue. God, right now, I pray that you put clarity in the minds and the spiritual eyes of everyone in this room. That the thing that that is tugging at their heart, the thing that that is an ache to them, that the thing that is unfinished to them, the thing that needs you to them, that they can see the future and see the design that you have to bring that to pass. That it's not fuzzy, that it's not incomplete, but they see the completed miracle. And God, right now we declare that when that happens, that that is going to open the door, push things aside, and that's going to make room for you to do what you want to do, and that is to do what they want. So th- there's one more point that I, w- that I want to make here, and that is point number four is activate the future. So it's not enough for Superman to know that he's going to defeat Lex, Lex, Lex Luthor and save Lois Lane again. You know, it happens every week on the show. It happens every time they let a new movie out. But it's not enough for him to know that it's going to happen. It's not enough for Elisha to know that that double portion of his master's uh, blessing is on the way. It's not enough for me to know, no matter how confident I am, no matter how clear the picture is, it's not enough for me to know that God is going to move me and my family to California, to San Diego, to find this church. There's There's one more step. So in verses 13 and 14, Elisha picked up the cloak, which had fallen when Elijah was taken up, and Elisha turned to the bank of the Jordan River. Then he struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And then the river divided, and Elisha went across. Seeing the future with your, with your glasses off, it opens the door for your miracle. But now that you see it, you have the responsibility to activate that. You know, where, where is the God of Elijah? And then, you know, smack the water. Speak out what your eyes see. Live in a way that aligns with what the future that you see is. If we if we saw the future of us moving to, to California, but we never followed up with the bank and we never followed up with the, the, the housing place and we never followed up with all these things and we never talked to my boss and we never made sure the remote work was cool and we never did all these things, it doesn't matter that I see the future if I'm not stepping out to it, into it and activating that. God, God's going to do the miracle. God's going to do the miracle. I don't have to do the miracle, but I have to activate that faith that I have. And I have to live my life as if my faith has brought something to pass. So can you see the Jordan River parting? No, strike it and walk across can you picture Lex defeated and Lana, or Lois saved again? You know, then go do it. Can you picture yourself you know, 
giving a word to someone and them being moved, speak it out. Can you see your son or your daughter or your brother or your sister um, restored to, to Christ? Work that out with them. You know, don't just let them, you know, wait for angels to sing to them. Go out and be the, the activation of your faith. So if the Holy Spirit's given you something to say or something to do, and he's helped you see that clear picture of some future that's yet to happen, you know, it, it's time for you to step up and activate it. So, you know, that, that was my last point. And I struggled for days on how to wrap this up. And I felt a tug to do something and I didn't want to do it. And so you'll see that where it says closing, there's like one line after it. And that's because this is not comfortable for me. Um, and one of the things that God told me about a month or so ago was that if, if I will do what's uncomfortable, that he will do what's impossible. So, so I'm stepping out of what's, what's comfortable for me. And, you know, it, it, as nervous as I might appear, I'm actually very comfortable up here, like in general. Uh, I know my voice betrays me. Um, I have like a squeaky voice and stuff, but I, I love the chance to be up here and, and talk and see all you people and, and pour out whatever I have, you know, whether that's an offering message or preaching or service, whatever. All the things, I, I enjoy it. Um, but I, I am being called to do something that's outside of my comfort zone now. So, you know, like I said at the beginning, writing this message was an act of self-discovery. And it wasn't that, you know, God downloaded this to me to impart to you. It's that God walked me through this for me, and I'm just repeating it to you, okay? So th this isn't, this is, this message was written for me, by me, and it, I was learning from it at the same time. So, you know, there, I've been sitting in this house for five or six years now that we've been coming to Awaken. And I see things in people that I admire, that I want, that, that you know, I see, like, I'm, I'm imagining Joel McGinty, which I don't know if he's here or not right now, but I imagine Joel McGinty and I can, I see him get up and he can just drill someone right in the heart with a word from God and it's never wrong. And, you know, I honor Joel whether or not he's here, but he, he hears from God and he steps out into that place and, you know, he builds my faith. You know, I have my glasses on, he builds my faith. And now, you know, I'm, I'm to this point where I started thinking uh, a few months ago, it's like, I, I want to do that someday. I, you know, I think that'd be like great to have that kind of relationship with God. Not, not that I get like any credit for it or anything, but it's like, there, there's a gift this man has and I want it. And I hear God say, well, what do you want? Well, I want that. So this is, this is my taking my glasses off moment. And then while, while I'm preparing this thing, you know, I'm, I have no more notes now, so I don't really know what's going to come out of my mouth next, but I'm preparing and, you know, I'm saying, okay, God, I'm ready. I've got my glasses off. 
what do you want? And I swear, as clear as day, I could see myself standing right here. The lights were a little bit brighter than they are now, or I could see better. But other than that, it's almost exactly the same. I could see myself standing here with my notes over here. I was a little bit back from the, whatever this thing's called. And there was someone sitting up over here and I saw myself giving a word to him. And that is like, you know, like if we're one-on-one, -on -one, I'll tell you what I think God told me, but I don't want to be up here and say something that is wrong. And then either I look like a fool or God looks like a fool, you know, whatever. But, but I saw that picture so clearly. And then there was someone sitting over here and I saw that picture so clearly. So I'm going to activate that faith right now. Joshua Conroe. I appreciate you. I don't know how many people tell you that. Probably more now in the last few months than before. But I appreciate you. And God appreciates you. The, the future that God has for you is only like your past in as much as it's the opposite in every single way. That, that you're an overcomer, that you're loved, that you're wanted, that you're needed, that people want to get to know you, that, that there is no shame, there is no condemnation, that the path for you is upward and upward and upward. And like Pastor Michael says, it winds upward. Every time you get back to the same place again, you're at a new level. And you can look down and you can see the people who are where you were before, and you see them not as, um, not, not with like disdain for them, not with um, a bad attitude towards them, but you see them with a compassion that, that only a few people might have given you. And it gives you that opportunity to reach down and help them around the spiral as they come up to meet you at the next level. So God, right now, I thank you that Joshua is in this house. I thank you that he is planted, that he is serving, that he is changed, and that he is a witness for you. I declare that he will bring more people into this house than anyone else. I believe that, God, and I can see that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and the, there's one there's one more. This one, I didn't know necessarily that the person was going to be sitting here, but I had a face that would pop up every time this would come to mind. And it, it's Bryant. I can't, the lights are on. I can't even tell if you're still there. Are you there? Yeah, he's there. Um, you know, Bryant came up to me on Sunday. And he, like, during, like, you know, when we were all going back to our seats or something like that. And he like whispered something to me and he had no idea how much that meant to me at that time. You know, it, it was a word from God through Brian's mouth straight to my heart. And, you know, lots of people say encouraging things and I, I love it. Do it always. If you have something encouraging to say, say it. There's no reason not to. 
But it's not always that somebody has a message from the father to his child. And so right now, Bryant, that was something that, whether or not you've done it before, that's the beginning of that for you. I see that you are stepping into a new authority in the gift of prophecy, that that you will hear words from God for someone and you won't question them. You won't have to wonder, did I make that up? Do I know too much? Is this too close to me? Am I, is this a personal thing? It's my mind. You'll know what is God and what is not. And even if it's, you know, if it's you and it's a positive thing, still say it anyway, but you'll know when it's from God and you'll deliver it. And the, the person receiving it, whether or not they tell you then or they tell you when they're preaching on stage four days later, was something from God that meant something to them in the moment and helped them get past something. God, right now, I thank you for Bryant, for his heart of service, for for the way that he loves, for the way that he prays for people, for the way that Bryant Giannis is always praying for you. God, I thank you that, that he is in this house and that I get to call him friend. And I declare a, an unlocking of your, your future sight in his mind and an unlocking of your confidence in his mouth to speak out and activate the words that he has. In Jesus' name, amen. So, oh man, I am, I am sorry. I thought I had more time than this. Um, I just want to close right now by saying that, you know, the, the, the seeing of the future, you know, and it's not as kooky as I'm making it sound. That's just another word for having faith. It's, it's not like this magical power that we have. It's, I have faith. I believe God loves me and wants what I want. But that's something that comes after you know God. So if there is anyone here, and I see, you know, I recognize most of your faces, but if there's anyone here, we're gonna pray in a second. Um, in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to, to, to think about this. Um, I wanna pray for you if you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior, if you don't have a relationship with him, or maybe you feel like, you know, I used to know Jesus, I used to love Jesus, I'm not sure if he still likes me anymore because, you know, I'm kind of a jerk. But, you know, I wanna pray for you because I can tell you from experience, for my many years of being that jerk in the past, he still loves you. So, so if everyone can close your eyes for just a minute. If you're one of those people who has never met Jesus before, if you're one of those people who doesn't know Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, I love you, and I know you love me. Or if you're someone that maybe you said that, you know, years ago, months ago, decades ago, whatever, but then you've decided that maybe you don't really love Jesus, but now you're thinking, you know what? Loving Jesus was the best thing I ever did. I want to do it again. If you're either one of those people, I'd like you to, to raise your hand. If you want to have a new relationship with God, I see your hand. If you want to have a new relationship with God or if you want to have a renewed relationship with God, if you want to draw closer to God than you've been before, I want to pray for you. I see another hand over here. Another hand over there. Thank you. Is there anyone else before I pray? I'm, I'm like so much over time, but I, I, I want to wait like 10 more seconds to see if there's anyone else here 
that, that wants to say, I love you, Jesus. All right, can, can we all stand? I'm going to say a prayer, and um, I'd like you all to re repeat after me, especially for those of you that, that raised your hand. God, I don't want to make this harder than it has to be. I love you. I know you love me. I know that Jesus died for my sins. And I know because Scott is saying it right now, that if I confess that with my mouth, that I will be saved. I confess that right now, Jesus. You are my Lord, you are my Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Be my best friend. Show me the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.